Today we are beginning a brand new series called God With Us. And I'm so excited about this series, and there's going to be a particular verse that we're going to be looking at every single Sunday leading up to Christmas Eve. It's found in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 23, and this is what it says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... What's the next few words there? God with us. Uh, wherever you're at, Yorktown, Daleville, you're in Muncie, Delaware County, somewhere else, let's all say whatever room you're in, that phrase, God with us. And that's what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God with us. Now, it's easy to believe that God is with us when everything is going well, when we're on the mountaintop, when things are going good, when we just got a raise with our job, when our child sleeps through the night for the very first time, when, you know, you get the pinnacle way of being on a mountaintop, when you get to Walmart and there is a parking spot in the front row. It's like, ah, you've reached the pinnacle. You are at the mountain top. But the question becomes, what about the valley? What happens when you and I hit a valley experience. Because when we're in the valley, when we're going through a difficult time, when we're struggling with something, when you receive bad news, when things don't go exactly the way you want it, when you're hurting, when you're feeling lonely, what do we do then? Today, What I want to talk about is the God in the valleys. And what's interesting to me is how often it is that things can be going really, really well in our lives. That we can be on the mountaintop and everything's wonderful. And then all of a sudden something comes in and it pulls us down. Something comes along and it weighs us down and we're back in the valley. When we first started uh, the jar, uh, my wife Jennifer and I were so excited. We weren't sure exactly what would happen, but the very first night, uh, a January cold night in 2003, uh, we invited some people to come and people actually showed up. That's a good thing, you know, when you're starting a church. And so we had six people and everything's going well. And in two months, we actually doubled our group to 12 people. And we were so uh, thrilled with what God was doing. So we went ahead and uh, we decided we should reach out to more people. So we came up with this concept of an outreach at the Cardinal Recreational Greenway. 
It's a place here in Muncie, uh, if you're not from Muncie, where people ride, ride their bikes or they run or they walk. And we got 300 bottles of water and we brought them out to the Cardinal Greenway and we passed them, to, passed them out to anyone who would go by. And we got rid of all three of, uh, 300 of them and all 12 of us showed up for the outreach. I mean, folks, we can't get 100% for anything in the church now. But in those early days, we were able to get everyone to come to the outreach. And later on, we went to my house. We had a cookout. And then later that night, my wife, Jennifer, and I were getting ready to go to bed. And we were so grateful to God. We were so thankful to him. We were on a mountaintop. We were on cloud nine and we knew that God was with us. And later that night, I woke up to a phone call about three o'clock in the morning. And on the other end of that phone was my best friend from seminary, David. And he was weeping and he was crying in ways that I'd never heard on a phone before. And he stumbled through his words. I really didn't even understand what he was saying. And then he said, my mom is dead. My mom's died. And it was in that moment that he and I hit this valley together. And we started crying with one another on the phone. And eventually I said, David, I'll come get you. And he said, no, 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 no. I'll drive up to you. And then I told him, I said, well, I'll take you to the hospital. And I'll never forget that drive down to Indianapolis and walking in there to see him with his mom who had just died. And the pain and the loneliness that was getting ready to erupt in his life. And we had hit a valley. That night, folks, it started with a mountaintop experience. My wife Jennifer and I were so excited for what God was doing in this church. And then in just a moment like that. We immediately were hit to a valley. That's the way that life works sometimes. One moment, we're up on the top. Everything's going well. Everything's going great. And then tragedy hits. And we come into a valley. Your marriage is going really, really wonderful. Everything's going great. And then your teenager rebels in such a way that you just feel like you're in a valley. Or you feel like your relationship with God is going wonderful and then you lose your job. You, you look so much for 2020, you know, vision, perfect vision, 2020. And then COVID-19 comes in and we're struggling to even be able to meet with families for things like Thanksgiving and Christmas the way it used to be. 
And there are so many good things maybe that we see going on, but then one or two things happen in our life and we find ourselves in the valley. So what I want to talk about today is where is God in those valleys? The question is, where is God in those valley experiences? You know, when you look at scriptures, it's very interesting that valleys often represent multiple different things. In Scripture, valleys are places of desperation. Valleys are places of depression. Valleys are places of loneliness. And some of you, I know right now, some of you are in a valley experience right now. But ironically, I just need to tell you that Scripture also tells us that many times it's in the valley that it becomes a growth season. It becomes a period where we're growing closer to God. In fact, this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. And uh, if you're on the app, just go ahead and go to that notes section and you can fill this in. Or if you want to write it down, you can. But here's our big idea this morning. And it's this. We may enjoy God on the mountaintop, but we get to know him in the valleys. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to enjoy him in the valleys. So for the rest of our time, I simply want us to look at a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, that describes and talks about a valley experience and where God is at even in the, in the valley. It's in Psalm 84, which is kind of right in the middle of the Bible. And starting in verse 5, we read where God is in the valleys. It begins, though, by saying this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those who find our strength in God. You know, there are many times in which people will be in a valley kind of experience and you'll actually hear them say things something like this. I can't take it anymore. I can't handle anymore. I don't have enough to make it through this moment. I just don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. And the truth is this, folks. That if you don't know God, then all you have is what you have. What you have is all that you have. Let me say that again. If you don't have a relationship with God, what you have is all you have. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ... And you choose maybe today, this day, to have a relationship with him. Then God will give you a strength beyond your own. He'll give you a strength that is more than what you have right now. Folks, if you're in Christ, you have access to a heavenly strength. 
you have access to something that's more than your own strength. Because as the psalmist says, blessed are those whose strength is found in you. Now, let me give you an example of this. Uh, In my freshman year in college, I played on the basketball team. And when I was on the basketball team, uh, one of the things that was different than high school is that we lifted a lot of weights. I went to Manchester College, which is in northern Indiana, and our mascot was the Spartan. And our coach wanted all of our bodies to look like a Spartan. I mean, you may not imagine it right now with the body that you see here, but what I want you to know was there was a day when this body looked like a Spartan, and it was because we lifted so many weights. Now, the truth is, like I said, in high school, we didn't lift weights at all, but in college, we lifted weights every single day. Now, at first, when I got to college, I could only lift 100 pounds. That's it. But by the end of my freshman year of playing basketball, I was able to bench press 200 pounds, and I only weighed 160. Now, uh, what we would do during these weightlifting sessions is we would lift weights, and then at the end, we'd take off all the weights, and we would just have the bar up on the uh, the bar only on the bench. And we would go ahead and we would start lifting the bar as much as we could for as many reps as we could at the end of our time. Now, the truth is the bar only weighed 45 pounds. So at first you're like lifting this and you're like, no problem, no problem whatsoever. And then you got to about the 25th repetition and literally I thought my arms were going to fall off my shoulders. I mean, I didn't have any strength left. Now, the good thing is we had an upperclassman that was there, a guy by the name of John Lights, and he would start running around and he would go, man, you could do it. You can do it. And the truth is I couldn't do it. I couldn't even get the bar up anymore. And uh, John finally would go around and he would help me with the bar. He would actually get the bar and he would curl it up to himself. And I'll never forget this. He would look down at me and see, he'd say, bunch, it's all you. It's all you. It's all you. And the truth is folks, it was not all of me. It was John lifting it up. And I was just barely able to have my hands on the bar. And it hit me in that moment, this phrase, I'll never forget it. I was at the end of my strength, and John took over. I was at the end of my strength, and then John took over. Now, the good news is this, folks. If you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ, and you are at the end of your strength, his strength takes over. Because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
So when it says, blessed are those whose strength is found in you, what this is basically saying is, if you are in the middle of a valley experience right now, and I know that some of you are, you have access to a strength that is greater than your own and is available to you, and he will help you in your time of need. Because blessed are those whose strength is found in in God. Now, you know, what's interesting about Scripture is not only what it says, but what it doesn't say. What this Scripture doesn't say is, blessed are those of you who are dependent. Independent, I mean. Blessed are those of you who, you know, can pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. Blessed are those of you who can make it on your own. Blessed are those of you who can do it with no one's help. You know, I have a feeling that for some of you, that's the problem. Some of you are going through life right now trying to do it all on your own strength. You're like, I don't really need God or I don't have to pray in the morning. I don't have to read scripture. I'll just do my own thing. I don't need anybody else. I am independent. And folks, the truth is, is that you were not created to be independent. You were created to depend upon God and to depend upon other people. Today, what some of you need to do is simply admit, I'm in a valley, and I can't do this on my own. I don't have the strength to move the bar off my chest anymore. I need someone else to move in to help me to be the one that can be my strength. Because blessed are those whose strength is found in God. And then the scripture goes on to say this. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you, whose minds are set on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, you need to understand what the word Jerusalem means. The word Jerusalem means the city of peace. Uh, Jerusalem was that place of peace where Jews could come uh, during Jesus' time and, and throughout all of history because it was at Jerusalem where you would find peace. You would find refuge from any enemies. So depending on what was in your mind is where you would find this pilgrimage of peace. You see, folks, the truth is all of us are on a pilgrimage and it's either we're on a pilgrimage to peace or we're on a pilgrimage to no peace. Uh, We're on a pilgrimage to a place where there's peace or we're on a pilgrimage to a place where there is chaos. Folks, for many of you, this is what I need you to understand, that the valley is simply a pathway to peace. The valley's not The only place you're ever going to be, it is though a pathway to peace. You can push through the valley, whatever it is you're going through. You can be on a pilgrimage on your way to peace. But the key to all of this, folks, is where are you setting your mind? 
What is your mind set on? Is it set on God or is it set on circumstances? You see, almost every single day, folks, we come to crossroads in our lives and you and I, we get to choose. Are we on our way to God or are we going to do our own thing? Because this is what I want you to know. What you think about matters. What you think about, it really, really matters. In fact, I have a feeling that someone right now is listening to this message. And if you've fallen asleep, come back, okay? But, but this is what I want you to know. Uh, this past nine months has been a valley experience for all of us. Every single one of us have been going through this pandemic, and and we're all kind of in a valley right now. But for some of you, you're not just in the valley of the culture, you're in a deeper valley. You have an addictive behavior. You have some kind of toxic relationship that you're in. You, You actually kind of have a situation that has weighed you down because of choices that you've made. You are in a valley experience, and it's deep, and you're struggling to even make it through. And folks, when you're going through this kind of valley, you need to know that where your mind is fixed upon is really important. Verse 6 goes on and it says this, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, uh, what's this valley of Baca? I mean, it's fun to say, right? Like, whatever room you're in right now, you could just say it yourself, like Baca, even if you're by yourself. Well, what does this mean? The Valley of Baca. Well, more than likely, uh, this phrase, the Valley of Baca, was connected to a tree that would ooze out sap. Actually, when people would walk by this tree, it, it appeared as if the tree was actually crying. And that's why the Valley of Baca is often referred to or translated to the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Weeping or the Valley of Loss. Well, I want to just show you real quickly kind of a, a present-day picture of the Valley of Baca. It's a very barren place. It's very dry. And valleys in this particular time were dangerous places. This is where bandits would actually hide out to attack people who were walking through it. Valleys were places that were filled with thorns. Valleys were places where it was tough to just kind of make it through. Folks, I know that some of you right now, you're in a valley. But this is what I want to tell you. The valley is not your final destination. You need to know that the valley is not the last step. It's not the last place. It's not the last kind of journey. You won't be there forever. And it's important for you to know that. I mean, 
you may be in a valley right now, but the valley is not your home. You are journeying, folks, to a place of peace. You are passing through. You're not staying there. I'm just passing through. In fact, you can say, God, my God, I know this, that you have been faithful to me in the past and you will not leave me in the valley now. You are with me. You are for me. You will never leave me. I'm just passing through this right now. And when other people want to say, man, you're in such a difficult place, you can say, well, I'm just passing through. I won't be here forever. But this is the truth about me. And maybe it's the truth about you as well. Sometimes when I'm in the middle of a valley, I think I'm never going to get out of this. I mean, I have felt multiple times during this whole pandemic, God, I'm never going to be able to get out of this. Because sometimes when we're in the middle of a valley, you just want out. God, get me out of this thing. God, get me away from this. Make a way. Make a step. I don't want this anymore. Just take me away. Calgon, take me away. But this is what I've learned over time. That many times that God doesn't take me out of the valley. He takes me through the valley. There are many times in my life where I wanted to get out of that valley immediately. And God said, no, no, no. What I'm going to teach you and strengthen you and help you in so many ways is I'm not going to take you out of it, but I'm going to take you through it. Because whether I like it or not, the pathway of peace is often through a valley. And the key during that valley experience is where am I keeping my mind focused on because I realize I'm just passing through. Now, the scripture in Psalm 84 concludes by saying this, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, what's interesting sometimes is when you're looking at scripture to look at a different Version. And so the King James Version actually says this, they make it a well. In the King James, it says they make it a well. In other words, whatever dry place that you're in, what do you need to do? You need to dig a well. You need to make a well. I mean, even when it's dry, and you're in the valley, and you're hurting, and you're struggling, and you're exhausted, and you're overwhelmed, you need to make room for God's presence and his provision. And the way you do that is you dig a well. It's almost as if God says something like this to you, you show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you'll just go ahead and dig it a little bit, I will fill it. 
Folks, I don't know who I need to speak this to, but I have a feeling that some of you need to hear it right now. And it's this. That if you dig it, God will fill it. That regardless of what it is, if you'll just tell yourself, this valley is not the place I'll be forever. So I'm trusting in you, God. I'm believing in you. I'm going to dig it. And I believe, God, that if I dig it, you will fill it. And he will. You know, one of the things that I love about Scripture are all the different if statements. God says, if you do this, I'll do something bigger. For example, in uh, James 4, 8, it says this. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Just take one step and I'll be right there. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. I have a feeling right now that there's somebody watching this morning that if you were truthful, you would have to honestly say, man, I haven't felt the presence of God for a while. COVID situations in my life, I just feel so disconnected. Well, this is what I want to encourage you to do today. Dig a well. Make a well. Just go ahead and say, God, I'm going to stop and wait for your provision. I'm going to stop and wait for you to move because I believe, God, that if I dig it, you will fill it. If I dig it, you will fill it. Well, as I walked through that kind of valley experience with my friend David, the falsity for many people is that after the funeral, everything's over. Well, this is what's true, folks, really. After any funeral, it's over for all the people that weren't connected to the person closely and intimately. But for those people, their valley experience is just beginning. And for my friend David, it became years and years of grieving and loneliness. And he was single and all of his family lived away from him. And there were so many times he and I really became brothers because we were there together when it happened. And when everyone else had walked away, I was still walking with him. And I'll never forget him coming to me and he gave me this concept. He said, Chris, I'm going to dig a well because I don't want to be alone anymore. And I'll wait as long as it takes for God to fill it. And this is what he dug. He dug a well that said, God, I want you to send me a companion, but not just anyone. I want you to send me the woman that you desire for me more than anyone else. And this is what I want, God. I want her to love you more than she loves me. I want her to simply choose me to be a part of her life, but I want her to love you more than she loves me. And he kept praying and praying and praying. And it took several years of him praying. 
And then finally, one night I got another call. And he said, hey, I went to this conference and uh, I met this woman there. Her name's Dwana. She's from Dallas, Texas. And I was like, what up, brother? And uh, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. It's very early, you know, and uh, I'll just keep praying. And so he kept praying, kept praying, kept praying, kept praying. And then one night, late at night, because he had to go down to Texas, And he called me late at night, just like that late night call early on. And he said, dude, I got great news. I met this wonderful woman, Dwana, that I've been telling you about. And I proposed to her tonight. And then I was like, well, what did she say? Because you never know, you know. And uh, he said, well, she said, yes. And he said, I'm calling because I want you to be my best man. And I was the best man at his wedding. Don't we look like studs there? Yeah. And then uh, after that, we planned the, the wedding. And on June 2nd, 2006, uh, David and Dwana got married. And on that day, it was such a cool day because... Not only did he get married, but he and I were able to celebrate that God had filled what he had dug. That we were able to realize that God never left him in the valley, but he was with him every step of the way. Folks, we may enjoy God on the mountaintop, but we get to know him in the valley. And when we dig a well in the valley and we cry out, God, please fill it, please fill it, please fill it. I need you. I need you. I need you. He doesn't let you just rot in the valley. He comes to you and he promises you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you because God is with us. Scripture tells us this. And the virgin will conceive a child, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, God is with you on the mountaintop, and he is good, but he is also good, I want you to know, when you are in the valley. The same God that is on the mountaintops is the same good God in the valley. And he promises that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So this morning, if you're in the valley, let me remind you, you're just passing through. You're not going to be there forever. God is a good God, and he's going to bring you out of that. And he promises that I will be with you. I will be for you. I will never leave you. And when it gets tough, and you can't take it anymore, you think to yourself, I can't handle this anymore. I simply want to remind you that you're just passing through. And there is one who will give you a strength that is greater than what you have right now. 
Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. He is your Emmanuel. Let's pray. Well, God, I uh, pray right now that you would be with each person who is going through a valley experience. Remind them right now, God, that you are with them, that you are for them. And maybe there are some of you right now, you're, you're watching and, and things are really going pretty good in most areas of your life. But there's one or two things that have just kind of knocked the chair from underneath you and, and you've fallen and you feel like you're in this valley. And I just want to take the time right now that if you're in a deep valley right now or you just feel like there's this one area, would you take the guts to just raise your hand for a second? Whatever room you're in, wherever you're at, just to raise your hand, let me pray for you. God, I pray right now that for every hand that is lifted, I pray that you would come and you would meet them right where they're at. I pray that you would move in their life right now. Help them to make a well. Help them to trust you. Help them to come to you. Help them to dig and to trust you that you're the one who can fill it. I pray for miracles, God, right now on the other side, whatever room they're in, wherever they're at, that you would come and you would meet them. We, we thank you in advance for the way that you're going to help some people right now to move out of their valley. We praise you today, God, because you are our Emmanuel. You are God with us. You can put your hand down. Now, the truth is, I know that for some of you, you're in a situation right now where God's not even on the radar. Maybe you've never known God or maybe there was a time that you did, but, but now you've kind of drifted away, but you're in a valley. You've been feeling it and it's not just COVID-19. It's other stuff that's going on in your life. And today is the day where you need to dig a ditch. You need to dig a well. You need to say, God, I need you. I need a strength that is greater than my own. I'm in this valley and I need you. I want to believe that I'm just passing through, but God, I'm struggling so much that I'm just not sure I'm going to make it. And this is what I know. The God of the universe will come down and he will lift up whatever that weight is that has brought you into a valley. And he will take you to a path of peace because he is good and he loves you and he is faithful. And so right now, I just want you to know that if today's the day where you're ready to give your life to Christ, to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your grace. I need your love. I need you in my life. I'm going to invite you to simply pray a prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you pray alone. It's a prayer that people are praying in multiple different rooms and places right now. And so I invite you to simply kind of repeat 
this prayer with me as we pray all together wherever we're at. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill my well. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name.